I just saw that same thing as Kathleen was talking about um, this whole worship service, but God's been reminding us of his faithfulness. And you know, um, the, the one, see, we're in covenant with God. And, and what, that, what that means is, that, and this is regardless of whatever you've done or haven't done, when you um, cried out to Jesus or you, you invited Jesus into your life, you entered into covenant, and God will never forsake, he'll never uh, forget that covenant. So, um, you know, there was a line in that one song, and it said, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And with God, you know, his promises, at this point, they're really guarantees Jesus Christ already fulfilled them all. So God always says yes, but the amen part is what we say. It's like, uh, you know, it's like Mary, the mother of Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit um, was going to uh, descend on her, and she is going to give birth to the Messiah. And the one thing she said about it is, be it done unto me according to your word. See, she just said amen. And that's, that's all it takes for us to experience that covenant with God. You know, if, if, you, uh, if you read, there's a chapter in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, and it lists the great heroes of faith, the people that God thinks for the last 6,000 years of human history, these are the greatest people that ever lived. But if you follow their stories, why, well, when they re their response to impossible circumstances was that I'm in covenant with God. And so, and it's the same thing today. In fact, it, it, that, uh, that thought concludes with a picture of all those people in the grandstands of heaven cheering you and I on in life uh, every day. In fact, and they say, man, they would do anything if they could just be living at this time when we're living now. So now more than ever, uh, the way to respond to negative circumstances, and just like Kathleen said, we've all had negative circumstances, is let it be done unto me according to your word. You know, when, when, uh, when, when someone attacks you or me, and that's all circumstances are, just whether it's a, a sickness thing or a, a financial thing or you're dealing with negative thinking, depression, and whatever it is, it, it's an attack, and they're, they're not attacking you, they're attacking God and you. You know, God's the biggest thing on the block. So... Um, you know, it's like if you ever try to explain this, but if you go to some place where there's wild elephants, like you go to the African continent or you go to the Indian continent, and you ever run into some wild elephants, if you see a baby one, why, keep your distance. Because if you get close to that baby, why, the a mama elephant will be there and her ears will flare out. Well, at that point, the baby just goes and runs behind the mama's leg, and you're dealing with the mama. And that's the way it is with us. I mean, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Uh, God, God will handle it if, if we just add the amen. Uh, just, that's just simple as, as that. And that's the best way I can explain that covenant, that faithfulness. But, but God is actually looking to show himself strong on your behalf. So, man, if you face any adversity... You can, God's, he's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Why don't you wait for it, too? Why don't you get that anticipation up? You know, because God's got one answer to every negative circumstance, and that is we win. So it, it really doesn't matter where you're at today. If you'll, the word of God is that we win, God and you win.
And, and God's the important one in that, in that equation. So, man, that's why it's so great to worship God. Well, we're, we're going to move on with our service here. Why, why don't you greet your neighbor, and, uh, and we're going to have a great day in church. Good morning, church. So good to see everyone this morning. This nice, sunshiny day. Praise God. I'm Linda Wellman. I'm on staff here at the church. I'm also, um, I also take care of the prayer team. And I just want to remind you, if anybody needs prayer, just call the church or call my cell phone. We have a whole team of people that will pray for you. And um, prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. And so, um, so I just want to encourage you to give me a call if there's any prayer needs. Um, and this morning I get the privilege of receiving your tithes and offerings. I just want to... Just a, um, a scripture, Luke 6.38 out of the Passion Translation. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more, abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over, to the, run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And isn't that the truth? We cannot, guys, we cannot outgive God, right? I'm so grateful for all that God has done in my life. And he is my source. He is my supplier. He's the one I look to for finances, for every need. I mean, he, like Dave was talking about, every promise in the word is yes and amen. And that includes our finances. We lay, you know, we give, we give of our time, we give of our lives to make that money. But everything that we get really belongs to him, Right? Right, because he gave us life. Everything belongs to God. And so we need to determine what it is that God wants us to give. I mean, first of all, we give our tithe, 10% off the top, and then offerings, so whatever, whatever it might be that, that God puts on your heart to give. Amen? So let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. I thank you, Father God, that you, you that you payback more than we can even ask or think. I thank you, Father God, for an abundance for every person. And I thank you, Father, if there's anyone that doesn't have anything to give, I thank you that you give seed to every sower. And I thank you, Father God, for every sower here. I thank you, Father. I, we, we agree with your promises, and we thank you that your promises are yes and amen to us. And so I thank you, Father God, for an abundance for each and every person, every family in this place, Father. Thank you for that. Praise God. Thank you for meeting our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if the ushers could help me, I don't know if the, it is up there, ways to give. Um, and so if the ushers would help me, if, the, if you need an offering envelope, if you're giving cash, one of the ushers will give, give you one. If you're making out a check, you can make it to Destiny Church. Amen. Amen. Well, while they're passing the buckets, if you have, uh, want to update your information Dave here that was just up here, he'll be at the back table there. Um, if you have updated or if you have new information um, or you, you want to have any questions about the church, Dave is the answer man. So uh, he'll let you know what. And if you're interested in membership, Dave can tell you how to hook up with that also. And then there's a Connect, Woman's Connect, April 15th, 630 at the church here. Char Slack will be giving her testimony. So I hope you knew that, right? It's on the announcement thing here, because you look shocked, you know, I said that, so anyway, so uh, I am? Okay, so any, uh, 
Anyway, so uh, it's good to be alive. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to talk to you about uh, a subject that I think is one of the most important subjects and the most misunderstood subject in the Bible. Well, of course, you could say that about a lot of things, but I want to talk about your words do matter. Your, what you say really does matter. About a year ago, I, uh, I had a sermon, and I titled this sermon that it is a voice-activated redemption. A voice-activated redemption. How many have a smartphone here? Can I see your hand? How many still have a flip phone? Can I see your hand? Come on, Carter, raise it. One guy has a flip <laughs> Two, okay. Two people. Well, we, all, we know a lot about you right now. So anyways, but... Um, but uh, uh, was interesting about my smartphone is um, just to give you, and this has happened more than once, I was talking to my son, and he was somewhere in Canada, and he was telling me he was staying in this particular town in Canada. And so we were talking about that town, and he said it was real pretty, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so the next day, when I opened my smartphone up to look at the, I always look at the news headlines, and so I looked at the news headlines and all of a sudden in, in the midst of all the advertisements or all the news headlines, there were, there were advertisements to uh, like Airbnbs or resort places at this town that we were talking about. And I'm going, what? I mean, it's kind of this obscure town in Canada. It's not like a real well-known town. And here my smartphone was listening. And it was picking out vacation places for me. Isn't that spooky? Yeah. I mean, that, I was, I was like, I mean, after that, you want to take your smartphone and wrap it in tinfoil when it's in your house. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody gave us a, what, what do they call it, Alexa, Alexa? Alexa? Is that what they call that thing? And so uh, my, my son has one. And he, you know, he, he asked at the weather and all this stuff. But my wife made us get rid of it because she, she was convinced that Alexa was spying on us and feeding, and feeding information to some place somewhere and that they were going to come and get us, I guess. I don't know. You have to ask her what she was thinking. But, but, um, but our smartphones are, are voice activated. But so is our redemption. Our redemption is voice activated. Our redemption is voice activated. And what we don't realize a lot of times is how important words are. You know, Christianity is called the Great Confession. And you'll see by some of the verses that we use if we get here, you'll see why it is that way. Because we think that words, you know, we think about words, you know, like when I was growing up, we were saying uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt us. You know, words are talk is cheap. We say stuff like that. But the truth is, if you've ever been injured by words, you know that words are significant. I mean, I, I read this one quote, but this one guy said that you can say something in 10 seconds to somebody that 10 years later, they're still carrying the wound of what you said. I mean, words are very, we know that just from a social standpoint that words, and like if somebody comes up to you and just encourage you, say something, I don't like flattery. Like somebody comes and say, you're the greatest preacher in the world. Well, I know that's not true. That's flattery. But you could say something like, that was a good message and uh, it wasn't the worst I've ever heard, but it, you know, it wasn't the best. You know, it's kind of right in the middle there somewhere, you know. I'd probably accept that as a compliment somewhere. Um, but, but my point is, is that, um, uh, what was my point? My point is that words are very important. 
encouraging words. And, you know, really, it takes so little encouragement, such a little comment to encourage people. I may have ever noticed that. Just something small, like, you know, I guess you got to be careful if you tell a girl, that, a lady, she looks nice today. But, but um, you know, just some, some encouragement, you know, to, to somebody. Just, you know, that you saw them do something. You're thankful that they, they do that or that you're encouraged by them. You know, sometimes we think things, but we don't say it. So our, we know that in that realm, our words are important. But I don't know if everybody understands how important our words are to our salvation. To our salvation. You know, the, there's a verse in Romans chapter 10 uh, and verses, well, I, I started with verse 8 through 10. It talks about, let, let me just read a few of these verses here. What, what saith it? The word is nigh thee, in thy, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is my Lord, and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So he's talking here about salvation. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. He's, my, he's numero uno in my life. My life evolves around him. I, I lay my life at his feet. He is number one in my life. You know what they would do in the early church? We don't do it so much today because, you know, Christianity was kind of an outlaw religion uh, back in the early church. I mean, they tolerated it, but, you know, um, at times it would kind of go into times of intense persecution and then it would come out of persecution but it was kind of an outlaw religion. And so for you to get up and confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord, that could be a death sentence for you. I mean, it was that serious. And so when they would water baptize people, they would always do it publicly or usually do it publicly. And they would have you get up and they would have you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm laying my life. I'm putting my life in jeopardy, but I'm going to follow Jesus. That, that's what you're saying. And then they would water baptize you. And so when you say Jesus Christ is Lord, that confession of your faith is very powerful. It's very powerful. It's the way that we go from death unto life. You know, Jesus said, by your words, notice what he said, by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. You know, I only got my, my rights read to me one time uh, when I was a, when I was growing as a teenager, I got a, I don't know if I was officially arrested, but I was questioned and they, they read me my rights. But one of the phrases was, uh, anything you say, how many on the next phrase? Can be used against you. I just want you to know that what you say can be used against you, will be used against you. Satan's a legalist, but also what you say can work in your behalf. You know, I, I saw this experiment where they did they called this guy up, and I don't know exactly how they did all this thing, because actually I was, I was listening to it. I wasn't seeing it. But they had this guy say, say out loud. He said, first of all, they had him say five, five things negative about himself. He said, like, I'm a loser. I'm, I mean, I can't even hardly say that. I mean, but I mean, he just said five negative things about himself. And then they tested their, his strength. And then he had the guy say five positive things about himself. I'm a winner, not flattery, but true things. And then they tested his strength and he was actually stronger, physically stronger. I don't know exactly how they did it, but you could hear on the tape that he was actually physically stronger because your words do affect you. You know, the Bible says that 
your tongue is like the rudder of your life. And, and so, you know, we know what a rudder does for a ship. It steers the ship in a certain direction. It steers the ship in a certain direction. And so, um, you know, it's like some people say, well, I tried to be, you know, I tried to say what God says about me for a while, but I didn't see any big change, so I quit. So what are you going to say? The opposite of what God says about you? I mean, come on. But you know what happens there is like you're starting to turn the ship and then you go, oh, this isn't working. And then you start turning it back the other way again. That's why the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter four, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Amen. So you're, you're, what you say affects your spiritual salvation. Like it says right here, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then it goes on to say, for with the heart man believeth. Everybody say the next word. Unto. Everybody say unto. 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 With the heart man believeth unto. How many know that the word unto is a transition word? It's like going from Wisconsin unto Minnesota. Going from unrighteousness Onto Minnesota, right? Well, I probably, that's probably a bad example. But anyways, <laughs> but, but unto is, is a change in state. So like in this case, it, it goes from, un, you go from unrighteousness unto righteousness. Unto is a transition word. So this is what it says in the Bible. I'm not reading my own words. I'm reading the Bible. For the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So you were unrighteous. But with your heart, you believe on Christ, what he did for you. You believe and you go from, from unrighteousness unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you go from being lost or perishing unto salvation with your mouth. How many can see how important that is? You know, when I, some of you have heard my testimony, how I was, you know, I, you know, I, I was raised in church. But I was a brat. I mean, I'm thank God every day that I didn't have a kid like me. And my dad used to say, I hope you have a kid just like you. I never had one, but, but, um, but thank God for that. I should be thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I should do the turkey jerk just for that. But I was a brat. I mean, I was a, a living, breathing brat. I used to, my, my folks would go, we'd go to church. They took me to church. And I, I never even half the time was in the service. I would I would sneak out and I'd go smoke cigarettes and steal stuff and and I just keep watching the time and then I'd get back in time for the, you know the end of the service and and I started smoking cigarettes when I was nine years old. You say how does a kid nine year olds get cigarettes? Well, back then they had machines, and I knew where every mach- cigarette machine was in the in the whole area, and I just go buy them or I take them out of the. You remember if you go into these Walmart stores, you know they. People would smoke and then they'd put the cigarette in the sand. Remember that? I'd go over there and collect them all. Yeah, it's disgusting. I know it is. But that's. But when you got a, at nine years old, I started smoking cigarettes. So I was a bratty kid. And so, but at age 17, I had this encounter with God. I was actually going with some friends. It was New Year's Eve night, 1971. I went to church. Our church had an all night, had kind of a watch. They called it watch night service. I don't know where that name came from, but. So I went to church, and so I go up to my friends, and, and all of a sudden this one friend that we used to sneak out and smoke and terrorize the neighborhood during church, he was there and he had a Bible. And I'm like, 
what's up with the Bible, man? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? And he goes, well, I got, I got saved. And I'm like, what? He said, are you kidding me? It's a joke, right? He goes, no. And he used to stick his Bible in his, in his pants. So he carried it around, you know, and I'm, I'm like, you, you got to be kidding. You're, you got saved? I mean, like religion and stuff? I mean, I was just blown away. And he goes, yeah. And, and so then I'm, I'm just like, well, this is weird. And so, um, so I was trying to find some other friends to go out and do something bad. And, and uh, I'm 17 years old at this time. And so my friend, this friend, he's a pretty close friend. He goes, hey, I'm going to a party. I want to witness to some of my friends. You want to come with? And I said, party? Sure. So I, I, we left. Now get this. So he had a Firebird. And so we're driving down. We're in downtown Minneapolis. We're driving down the street. It's New Year's Eve night. It's probably about maybe 10 o'clock at night. And he gets a flat tire. Now there's another guy with us. There's three of us. He gets a flat tire. So he is, he's, he's a zealous Christian. So he goes out and prays for the tire. And of course, nothing happens. Because he thinks, well, God's going to inflate this tire so I can get to this party and witness my friends. Well, it didn't inflate. But he goes, let's do it by faith. So he took off driving on the flat tire. Well, after a while, you know, the, the tire starts coming apart, starts blowing, you know, rubber starting to fly everywhere. Now we're on the rim. And it's getting hard to steer. And I, I keep going, I don't think it's working. You know, I keep saying that. I'm, I'm like doubting Thomas, you know. I'm, and, um, and so finally they give up. And so my... For Christmas, this is New Year's, for Christmas, my mom gave me a, a suede leather coat and she threatened my life if I, just, if I wrecked it. So I had a brand new le suede leather coat and it started to sleet out. So I'm going, sleet can't be good for a suede leather coat. So I turned it inside out. And so here we are. We are I, think, I think it was University Avenue, downtown Minneapolis. It's probably 11 o'clock at night. We're hitchhiking trying to get back to church. And, um, and so just the picture, two guys, three guys, one's got his coat inside out, and the other two have Bibles. And nobody's picking us up. Nobody. Finally, this guy picks us up, and he's totally lit up. I mean, he's lit. He's got this mean dog barking at us in the front seat. So we're all three sitting in the back seat. So they start witnessing to this guy. And really, when they're witnessing to this guy, they were really witnessing to me because I was getting under conviction. And they're telling about what Jesus did for them and how, how he changed their life and all this stuff. Long story short, we get to the church. They lead this guy to the Lord. I, I find a ride home that night. I get home about 2.30 in the morning. I'm laying in bed and all I'm thinking about is my soul. I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to heaven. I mean, I was a sinner and I was good at it. I mean, I am not going to heaven. So finally, I just got up out of bed and I knelt down. I said, God, because I've had these moments throughout time, like when I get in a really bad trouble, you know, you know what I mean? God, if you get me out of this, it's one of those kind of prayers. Have you guys ever prayed those prayers? <laughs> Lord, I promise, I promise, pinky swear, I promise that I will never, you know, and then I would go back on it. And so, and so I mean, something really happened to me that night, but I was still kind of wondering, you know, where... Where is this going to, where am I going to end up? Am I really going to end up in a good place? And so that week, I was invited to go to a house meeting. There's, house meetings were big back then. And, um, and so I went to this house meeting, and somebody had told them that I had gotten saved. And so the leader said, hey, 
Uh, we got Steve here. He, he just got saved. Come on up here. And I'm like, come up there? What? He said, come up here and give your testimony. And so I got up there and I just said, you know, I've, I've served the devil. I've lived for myself. I've done all the wrong things. But tonight, but I've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. I invited Jesus Christ into my life. He is my Lord and Savior. I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. And, and that was what I said. And when I said that, something happened to me. Let me say this, how this important this is. Something happened to me when I said that. Because, you know, the Bible says this in Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11. It talks about uh, people that overcame the devil. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's Satan. They overcame Satan by the, because of the blood of the lamb. That's the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Because of the blood of the lamb. Notice the next one. Because of the word of their testimony. That is our confession of faith. We're talking about overcoming the devil. You know, it's interesting. And so that's why, you know, the more you tell people what Jesus did for you, the stronger you get. The more you tell people what Jesus did for you, the stronger you'll get. The more you tell people what Jesus has done for you, the stronger you'll get. You know, it's interesting when Jesus cast the demons out of this one man, Legion. Legion go, he gets totally delivered. And then Legion says, oh, I shouldn't call him Legion, but the guy that had the legion, he goes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, no, go back and tell everybody what the Lord has done for you, how he's had compassion on you. You know, we used to have Teen Challenge here a lot. And one of the things that they do is they all these people that have been on drugs, they've been in alcohol, been in dysfunctional lifestyles. They have them testify continually. This is what the Lord's done. Because every time you testify your faith, you get stronger. Every time you testify your faith, you draw a line in the sand. You say, I'm never going back. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is what my, my future is like. We should not be quiet about what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said this. Uh, he said in... Uh, Look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32 and verse 33. It says, everyone, therefore, who shall confess me, that's Jesus, before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. In other words, if you confess me before men. So I, I just want you to know, all you people, Jesus Christ is my Lord. If you confess me before men, he said, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. That's why when I got saved, I started do, doing street ministry. I even preached on the street. I preached on Hennepin Avenue. In fact, one time I was, uh, I was preaching on Hennepin Avenue with a bunch of guys, and somebody climbed up, up, up on the big boy, big it's a big boy. I don't know if it's still there, but it was a big, I think it's big boy it's called. And they threw water on us. And the guy that was preaching said, he said something like, if you think there's water here where you're going, if you don't get saved, where you're going, there ain't no water. <laughs> so he recovered really well. But, but I even got spit on one time. Amen. But I confessed him before man. The, the more you do it, the stronger you get. Amen. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. He said, 
Everyone that confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father. Who's in it. But then notice the next one. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That's why when Peter, remember Peter denied Christ? That's why they say preachers like chicken because the chicken squealed on him. When he went, I don't even know. You know, three times he, Peter denied Christ, three times. Then the cock crowed, you know, coo-coo-doo-doo-doo. That's why they say preachers like chicken. They're going to kill that chicken. I'm going to kill and eat that chicken. So, so he said, he, he denied Christ three times. What was interesting, after the resurrection, the angel told the women, go tell the disciples and Peter that he is risen. And so Peter went back to fishing. And so all of a sudden Jesus appears on the shore and has a little lunch prepared for them. And then he sits down and he goes, Peter. Now this is not, a, this is not by mistake that this happened. Peter denied Christ three times. And three times Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He goes, yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? He had to cancel out the denial. Every time Peter denied, he canceled it out because it is important what we say. It is important what we say to be, be animate. Listen, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am unashamed. I have crossed the line. I'm never going back. That is important for our spiritual well-being. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Here it's called that Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. And so what that is, the high priest's job in the Old Testament, because this is written to Jews, Jewish Hebrew Christians, the job of the Old Testament priest was to take what the people brought in sacrifice and to bring that and present that before the Lord. And so he says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession, of our confession. In other words, what we say, he comes and presents that to the Lord. And so it's very important what we say. How many know that's true? So we see that, we see that confession works with our salvation. But it also, confession works as far as uh, in our conflict with the enemy. Like we already saw that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, their confession of faith. But there's many places in the Bible where, where you can see them using words or speaking words in their combat with the enemy. Like Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan came to him and tempted him and said, you know, you're hungry. At his weakest point, he said, you're hungry, command this bread. He said, he said it is written. He kept saying, it is written. It is written. He kept saying that over and over again. It is written. You know, you think about this. Have you ever noticed how sometimes... Uh, you know, I said earlier about doubting Thomas. How would you like to be Thomas? I mean, is there ever a record other than that one time that it, he doubted? I mean, is there any record in the scripture other than that one time that he doubted? I don't think there is. Can you imagine being defined because of one thing? You know what I mean? Just think about one imperfection that you have. I mean, everybody here has an imperfection. 
I can't think of any of my own, but. <laughs> but just think if you had an imperfection and we all became aware of it. And so all of a sudden that we defined you by that. We said, you know, doubting Thomas or uh, I'm trying to be, you know, gossip Gloria or so, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, I mean, you don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, it'd be, it'd be so unfair, wouldn't it be? And that's why you have to be careful because words have, have power. Words have power. But, and, and so we can't let the devil, because one of the biggest things the devil does is he is accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. He, he, um, he accusation, you'll never measure up. You fail one time. You know, David failed many times, didn't he? I mean, if you think of all things he committed murder, well, he didn't physically commit murder, but he, lied, he arranged for, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bathsheba's husband to be killed. He committed murder. He lied. Uh, uh, he numbered Israel and thousands died. I mean, you go through the things that he committed adultery. But, you know, what's nice about it is that it doesn't say David the adulterer. It says, David, what? Really? David, a man after, because what is that? That's God's testimony. Man's testimony might be something, but God's testimony is man after God's own heart. And so you have to be careful to not let the devil put a label on you. You know, there you are, you know, uh, doubting Thomas or I don't know what else, uh, uh, Larry the loser, I, I, don't, I hope nobody hears Larry, but, but you understand what I'm saying? You can't let the enemy hang a tag on you. Uh, crazy, uh, I got to be careful, uh, Claudia or something. You know, I don't know, I mean, that's probably the wrong. But anyways, you, you got to be careful that the devil doesn't, because sometimes people walk around with just this sense about, I, I don't measure up, I'm not all that, and I, and a, and a Happy meal. And, and you, know, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't feel that worthy about myself. you got to understand that when you receive Christ, he blots out your past. And it's no longer an issue before God. That's why he says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so we should never let an accusation of the enemy remain in our head. You'll never, like the, the thought, you'll never be free your life will never go in a good place. You'll never end in a good place. I remember um, years ago, I had this friend. He was a really good friend. In fact, he lived with us for a while. And he's a very talented guy. He'd have like three businesses going at the same time. Whatever he set out to do, he would accomplish it. But he'd go bankrupt constantly. I mean, make piles of money. I just watched him just like, holy smokes. He'd buy these big houses, fancy cars. I'm going, you just make money after money after money, but then he go bankrupt. And so one time I said to him, I said, what, you know, what, what's going on? I can't understand what is up with you. And he said to me, just like in a moment of transparency and a moment of soul searching, he looked at me, he said, my dad said to me, I would never become, I would never be, be, be a success. You know, I, to, I looked at him and I said, he was wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Snap out of it. You know, you know, that's what you want to say. You want to get a wet towel, you know, and just say, whack, snap out of it. He was wrong. You got more ability than 
10 people put together. Stop it. But it, those, it was that, that label that was put on him by his dad. And the enemy used that. You know, I heard um, a preacher say one time, he said, uh, he said, you got to be careful about your words because you can say something and it can stay with somebody for years. I think I said that earlier already. But anyway, so just testing you to see if you're paying attention. But it's so important what we say. It's important what we say to other people. And, but it's also important what we say about ourselves or we say to ourselves, our self-talk. Because the enemy of our soul will try to bring us into captivity. He'll try to get a thought. He'll try to get us to accept a thought. Like I remember one time, uh, and, and you hear this all the time. People will say things like this where they'll come into a church and they'll say, everybody here is talking about me. First of all, I go, you're really not that important. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, they're not. You know, they're really not. They got a lot of other things they're talking about. They're not talking about you, probably. I mean, maybe somebody is. But do you think they're saying something bad? Probably. But who cares? Who cares? It's really what God says about us that matters. It's not what the devil says or some other yahoo that's got one oar in the water. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God says. One french fry short of a happy meal. It doesn't matter what they say. Their elevator doesn't go to the top. One brick short of a load. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God says. Might get excited yet here, right? And so it's like everybody's listening to whatever. Who cares what they say? And God say, hello, hello, hello. Pay attention. God's saying something here. You know, if David would have let all those, everything that he did, if he would have let that define him, he would have never finished strong in his Christian life. You cannot let people define you by their words. How many follow what I'm saying? And so words matter. Our self-talk matters. And you, and you have to address Lies. You have to address lies that the enemy brings against your life. You have to address them. Man, I'm, I'm not even into my sermon yet. And are you guys doing okay yet? I was just going to get into my sermon here. I was just revving my motor up. Boom, boom, boom. So <laughs> maybe this will have to be a to be continued. But let me just go to one passage here. So what is this? We're talking about a voice activated. Now, here, here's the thing when you talk about words and what you say, um, even though the Bible talks about it so much, you can actually get into bondage where you don't want to say, you know, you don't want to say anything. you got a need or something. You don't want to tell anybody about a need because you don't want to say anything negative. Uh, but, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. If you have a need, help somebody. Hey, would you agree in prayer with me about this? I'm, I'm believing for this. I'm standing for this. Could you, could you agree? together with me in prayer. That's fine. But I'm just talking about constantly talking about the problem, talking about the situation. You know, I was listening. I, I read, when I first got saved, I read a book on prayer by Praying Hyde. How many ever heard of him? Praying Hyde. And uh, he was a missionary to uh, India. And they said that he started out by praying one soul into the kingdom a day. And by the end, I don't know how many, he had hundreds a day he was praying into the kingdom. But he said one time, I remember this really stuck in my mind, he said that he was about ready to pray for somebody at their missions center that was a real, he was really kind of 
cold spiritually. And, and, and so Hyde had been very concerned about him. And so he goes, he, he was going to pray for him. But he started his prayer this way. Lord, you know how cold. And when he started saying cold, God spoke to him and said, don't say that about him. Don't say, don't speak that over him. Don't say that about him. And the Lord said, say, say the answer. Say what you want to see. Pray what you want to see. And so he started to change that. And, you know, that guy turned around. But, you know, there's a verse in Isaiah that talks about, says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. How many ever heard that verse? No weapon formed against you. It didn't say no weapon would form. It said no weapon formed against you would prosper. It, wouldn't, it won't prosper. But then you know what the next verse says? Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, in a condemning way, a tongue that rises against you in judgment or in a condemning way, you will condemn it. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith God. Because our words, you know, our words matter, what we say about people to their face, but also our idle talk, how we talk about people where we reinforce things that we see that are unbecoming. My, my mom was a, she's in heaven, but she was a real prayer warrior. And I noticed this about her, is she'd be praying for some members of the family. And if we started, you know, something happened, you know, something bad happened, or they did something crazy. And so then we would, we would start talking about, well, what are we going to do? This person's gone, you know, this person's gone off the deep end. You know, they're crazy. And I noticed that my mom would never join us. Because she's believing. She, she's believing. So she would never join us. She would never let her words contradict what she's praying. Because words matter. What you say matters. You can reinforce a person's bondage or you can speak uh, words that actually... And I'm not saying that you can't discuss a problem but you should always turn the problem. Now we're going to believe. We're going to believe that there's going to be a breakthrough. There's, we believe that there's going to be a change. We believe that something, God's going to intervene. This is a voice-activated redemption. How many can see what I'm saying? So if it's, it's very important what we say. Let me give you this one last. I, I'm running out of time here. So this is giving the worship team warning that I'm coming to. I'm, I'm, I'm downwind for runway two, three. <laughs> Means I'm about ready to land. But anyway, so. But notice this, notice this verse in Zechariah chapter 4. I had a, so many verses I was going to give you, but Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 7. This, what is happening here in the context is Zechariah is a prophet and, um, and, and, and they're trying to rebuild. The, the captives have come back from Babylon and they're trying to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem. But they've been trying for years and they have made no progress. And it's so, the situation looks so hopeless. I mean, I think it's eight, 18 years or 13 years they've been trying to do this and they haven't got anything done. And so it looks hopeless. And, and so, I mean, if you think about struggling with something for years and no end in sight, you can feel their hopelessness. And all of a sudden, Zechariah gets this word from the Lord. And, and so it, this is weird. I mean, this is strange prophecy. 
Here's what, here's what the prophecy is. Zechariah 4, 7. Who are you? O great mountain. Before Zerubbabel, he was the ruler. Before he was the governor. Before Zerubbabel, you will become a, become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace unto it. So just think about this. The, God is not, God is addressing the, the problem. Who are you? And, and he's addressing it in kind of a belligerent way, if that's the right word. Who do you think you are, mountain? Mountain of difficulty, mountain of impossibility. Who do you think you are? Why are you standing there with your big old moon face hanging out? What do you, who do you think you are? Great mountain before Zerubbabel, you're going to flatten out. He's speaking right to the mountain. And Jesus picked that same thing up in Mark 11 when he said, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And that's where he got it. Jesus got it out of Zechariah chapter 4. The Spirit of God moved upon him. You know, I'll tell you this, you should be open to this idea that sometimes when you're praying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and say, I want you to speak to that thing. Speak to it. Speak to that problem. Speak to that child. Speak to that situation. Speak to it. When, when you do that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, something's going to happen. Because this was the Holy Spirit that inspired Zechariah to speak to this impossible situation. This had it moved in 18 years. And Zechariah says, speak to it. Tell it. It's going to flatten out. It's not going to be an issue any longer. And you know what? They got the temple built and they got the city built. But not only did, did he speak to the opposition, but he also spoke to the temple. He shall complete, he shall complete the temple. That's the, bring the capstone. That's the roof. With shouts crying, grace, grace unto it. That's why Paul said our, our words should always be seasoned with grace. Should always be seasoned with grace. In other words, we should speak to people and speak to situations and speak at things, you know, because, you know, people think you're crazy to speak at situations. But have you ever watched somebody curse their car? You stupid car! Piece of junk! Have, how many ever heard that? Dumb thing, never starts, you know, just cursing the thing. And we don't, we go, ha, 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 ha. We think it's hilarious. But what about speaking, especially when you're inspired by God to speak? Instead of saying, this child, my, my child, he's, he's so messed up. Why, why would you say that? Especially if you're praying for, for them to turn on. Why would you say they're so messed up? Why would you do that? Now, if you're, if you're sharing with somebody who you want them to agree with you, I understand why you'd want to share a sense of what's going on. But why would you just say words like that over someone? Why would you curse someone else's life like that? Why would you do that? You should say, you know, I remember one time uh, I, was, I had a dream one night. I got to quit. I'm sorry. I'm taking so long. You guys take just like a couple minutes more. Okay, I'm going to tell you something spooky. So Casper the Friendly Ghost is coming in the room. But um, I remember I had a dream one night, and I was riding with this guy who was a relative of ours in a pickup. And I was in the pastor. He was driving. And all of a sudden, I saw this bright light, and, and we had a head-on collision. And I was 
this isn't a dream now. And I was fine. I didn't, I didn't have no ill effect. But I looked over at him, and he was dead. And it was somebody that, you know, it was a relative, and I thought, oh, this is serious. And I was, I was reluctant. I, did, I, I thought I should tell my mom. This is many years ago. I should tell my mom. And, and so I said to her, Mom, i got to tell you this dream I had. And I said, I told her the dream. She goes, she goes oh, no, he's not going to die. I go, are you sure? He looked dead to me. <laughs> are, you sure he, are you sure he's not going to die? She goes, no, no, I already, I already got the victory. He goes, all that's going to happen is God is going to judge his flesh, and he's going to turn back to God. Because the bright light you saw, that's God showing up, judging this guy's flesh. And you know what happened? He ended up going to jail, and he had a, in prison, he had a, 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 an encounter with God in prison, turned his life around. And so I'm going, wow, she knew something I didn't know. Because I'm like, he's going to die. You know, that's what I'm thinking. But, but she was like in this situation where not only had she prayed through, not only had she prayed through, but she would not allow anything other than what she was praying, what she was believing to come out of her mouth or to accept anything different than what she was believing God for. And it happened just the way she said. Some of us have to, we have, we have, we've got to check our mouth because we've got to, re- and again, I'm not saying you can't share a problem asking somebody to pray, but just idle, idly talking about situations and, and people in just this idle, derogatory way is very detrimental. Let's all stand together. I remember, that's why, you know, you think about the songs that we sing. Many of the songs that we sing are declarations of faith, right? I remember years ago, I, I was speaking in a, as the worship team comes. I'll tell you another story. You ready for this? Can you ha- handle one more story? So I was at, uh, preaching at a nursing home. And, um, and so, you know, this is like 35 years ago. And so afterwards, you know, they were taking the, uh, I was going to say inmates. It's not inmates. It's <laughs> residents. <laughs> <laughs> the inmates were escaping. No, I'm just Sometimes the right word doesn't come into the head. You know what I mean? But anyway, so I was, um, I was going around just greeting everybody. And, and, um, and so all of a sudden, I, I said hi to this old man that was in a wheelchair. And when I shook his hand, he grabbed a hold of my hand. And he goes, because I was talking about, to them about salvation, the assurance of salvation. And he goes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I said, okay. It was real hard of hearing, but he goes, now get this, this, is, this, is, this took place about 35 years ago. And so he goes, he goes, years ago when I was a young man, he goes, that old devil, this, this is his words, that old devil kept telling me I wasn't going to heaven. And he goes, every day he was on me, just, you're not going to heaven. You've done too many bad things, you know. And he goes, I, he was plowing with horses. So that can tell you how old he was and how long ago this was. And he goes, one of the straps came loose on the horse. He says, I went over there. I was going to fix the strap. And that old devil is saying, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. And he says, I couldn't take it anymore. And he said, all of a sudden inside of me, this song came. And it was amazing grace. And he goes, I just belted it out. Who saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And he goes, I just belted it out in defiance of that voice. 
that was talking to my head. And he goes, that, he said, I, I'm down. He said, with tears streaming down my face. He goes, I came to the point where I had the assurance that I was going to heaven. And I thought to myself, that's it. See, he didn't quote a scripture, but he sang a scripture, sang a song, addressing the lie that was coming against his head. And he, and he experienced a breakthrough. And so sometimes you have to understand this, that with our words, we fight. With our words, we fight. And sometimes we fight with songs. You know, recently, sometimes I make up songs. You want to hear one I just made up this week, last week? It's really, it's kind of, all my songs are ditty songs. You know, you know what that means? They're just kind of like, you know what a ditty song is? Well, I'll sing it for you, and then you'll know what a ditty song is. So this is, this is my song. I made it up. Uh, uh, this is going to be a great day. This is going to be a great day. This is going to be a great day, I know. This is going to be a great hour full of Holy Ghost power. This is going to be a great hour, I know. That's ditty. It's a ditty. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot to the song. I mean, not a great songwriter, but it's... It kind of encouraged me, you know what I mean? It's going to be a great day. This is going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day, I know. It's going to be a great hour. Pull the Holy Ghost power. I, anyways, I'm done. No, okay. Let's sing a song, all right? You guys got one? Don't sing that one.
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Can you lift your hand one more time and just tell Jesus how wonderful he is? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your freedom in this place, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God has breakthrough for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Freedom for you. We're going to ask the prayer counselors to come forward. And just, if you need prayer for anything at all, this is your opportunity to be prayed for. And, uh, you know, have people agree with you in prayer. But I just encourage you, if you're praying for something, praying for someone, praying about a situation, you know, prayer is very important. But don't undo your prayer by speaking over that person's life contrary to what you're praying about. I mean, I'm not saying, like I said, you can't share a problem with somebody, but I'm just talking about idle speaking. Speak, speak words of life. Amen? They're getting stronger every day. I remember uh, years ago, I heard um, about this preacher who had a daughter that would dance in the bars and stuff, and they would mock him, and they would say, your daughter, because he was believing God for her, and, and he, they would say, your daughter can really do the funky chicken. I don't know what that is, but. And he said to, her, he said to them, God's going to funky her chicken. <laughs> I like that. God's going to funky her chicken. Amen. And he, and he did. She became a preacher. So praise God. Amen. So if you do need prayer, please come forward. One of these wonderful prayer counselors will pray for you. But hey, have an amazing week. You're amazing people. Don't let anybody call you Doubting Thomas. Hang that tag on you. Don't let anybody hang a tag on you. Amen? You're blessed. God bless you. You're all free to go.